You're listening to Mike and Kristen. The podcast. I'm Mike, a musician, writer, and producer. And I'm Kristen, a painter, writer, and designer. Our show is all about following dreams, taking chances, and what life as an artist is really about. Together, we bring you weekly guest interviews and thought-provoking conversations. Let's go! Hello, friends. Here we are. Mike and Kristen coming to you live from Hot Jupiter Sound Studio. And we have a special guest, a repeat guest. We're on episode 73. We've had one other repeat guest, Steph McNamara. But we have Jackson Weldon on a year follow up to him leaving high school and following his career as a professional musician. Jackson's had such an intriguing story that we had to have him back for the one year anniversary follow up interview. And we shared with him to his surprise that this is our plan for his entire career, which means we'll be podcasting for a long time as well. I'm down (laughs) for that in every way possible. And Jackson's really just kind of touched our hearts and souls, hasn't he? Yeah, he's still just 19 years old. Released his first song just two weeks ago. Had a big release show at uh, your gallery, Togetherland. Sold out. Uh, lots of exciting things happening. We're working on a bunch of other songs that we're all just really, really happy about how they're coming along and just think that they can just reach a lot of people. So Every human has an interesting story to tell, and you and I have certainly learned through this podcast experience that every artist certainly has a unique perspective, and we've learned a lot from them. Jackson, to me, is unique in that he's younger and at the beginning of this journey, so he offers kind of a different experience, but I think it's so just an opportunity for us to learn to follow him over these years. Like even today was a little bit, he was a little bit different than his first interview and some of his thoughts and things that he'd been through in the industry so far. Learning learning stuff. He's learning. I'll be curious to see how this evolves. Yeah. And in lots of ways, I feel like I'm walking this walk alongside him because my timing for going full-time into entrepreneurship creative kind of aligns with his. Yeah. So we're able to share some of these these firsts together. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it's just cool. exciting to have him around. And we're just so proud of all he's done. And his show at Togetherland, of course, was a huge Amazing, hit and yeah. a special night for all of us. Yeah, it's a g- great chat. And yeah, we'll do it every year forever. And we have the song that we debuted at that show as the introduction today. Yeah, his first release single, Next to Me, is going to be uh, the introduction. So you can listen to that song that was recorded here in the same space we're talking in, which is kind of cool. And he's getting radio play. He's, I think, number four on the CIOE chart this yeah, week, which yeah. is a, a spot higher than last week. Give so. him a vote. Vote for Jackson. Yeah. And I got a big show coming up this Friday at the Shore Club. Fun. Our yeah. favorite venue. Yeah, with uh, yeah, two awesome acts, both podcast guests, Daniel James McFadden and uh, the public service, George Woodhouse and the gang. Yeah, it's a really fun time. Summer, summer party, you know. We all come together and just have a, a big, 
big bash. Big dance party down in Hubbard's at the Shore Club. Yeah. And then the next day, we're hitting the road for PEI. Yeah. Yeah, we go to Clogaroo Festival in PEI. I haven't been to that one yet. Me neither. Okay. Brand new one. Awesome. And then next weekend is Blueberry Jam Blueberry in Jam, Cape Breton, and which is a, pretty legendary. Yeah. And I got a show in Waverly on the Wednesday, the August 16th. It's a free outdoor on a tear, one. then. Yeah. August is busy. Well, it's uh, it's today actually is the two month anniversary of Togetherland. Oh, two months 9th. still young. It's very young. I have to remind myself of that because I have ambitions of all these things I want to do in the space. But it's it's just been. I mean, aside from having Jackson and and that special night, we've had a figure drawing class there, which was a huge hit that I hope to do more of. We have a free art therapy session coming up on August 16th, yeah. the local art therapist. And I've got brand new yoga mats in the yes, studio. Yes, your yoga that mats are looking awesome. Turned out really amazing. So it's just one foot in front of the other in this on this walk. And I've got a solo show at Togetherland uh, in September. That's so right, yeah. Start promoting that as well. Yeah, so if you check out my website, all the event listings are there, and you can grab your tickets for it, and uh, hope to see you out at the gallery. Yeah. And grab your tickets to the Shore Club right now, because uh, we want to make this a big party, and it's it's going to be it's going to be really fun. And one more thing that is special and unique about today's episode is we have launched our brand new sponsor. Yes. Wilson's yes. Coastal Club. Yes. They pay special attention to the to the ad that will come up shortly. Uh we're very, very honored to have them on as a sponsor and we truly do think it's an awesome space. This was a place that uh, are, is actually, there are neighbors at Togetherland. Like you can throw a rock and yeah. hit their dock from, yeah, from our dock. Yeah, yeah. If you got a good arm. Yeah, maybe a baseball bat and the <laughs> rock. But uh, they're super handy. Uh, Mallory and Kyle, they're so kind and generous. They're already being welcomed in the community and giving back so much as well. So we're proud to have them as our sponsor for the next number of weeks and hope that you're able to book in with them and come say hello to us as well at the gallery. Well, let's uh, let's jump into this little chat with Jackson. Chat number two with Jackson Weldon. So, Jackson, one year into a career as a professional musician, you just released a song. You had a sold-out show. You've been playing gigs for a year straight as your means of income. How does it feel? feels good. It feels good. The, f- the first bit of the year was a tad rocky, getting adjusted to things. Yeah. You finish high school. There's no one there to govern you except yourself. But I think I adapted, and we're here now, and I feel comfortable. I feel good. you like being the boss? When I'm doing a good job, yes, I like <laughs> yeah. being the boss. But when things feel like a bit chaotic, it's not it's not my favorite feeling. Yeah. That's a hard transition because I imagine a lot of your friends went on to sort of this traditional path of going to university and you would see that social network that you had been part of for so long kind of disseminate amongst wherever they found themselves and 
your path was a little different, which is really amazing, but comes with a lot of responsibility and change all at once. Yeah, when everyone when everyone goes away and they have a strict schedule, Monday to Friday, they're in their classes. The weekend it's going to be partying. And you have no schedule at all. And what little schedule you do, it's pretty much reversed to theirs. Weekend, like weekend is mm. when you start work in terms of gigs. And the weekdays are pretty empty unless you fill them with something to do. Even if that's staying in touch with people or booking more shows. But it, but it was difficult in the start to get adjusted to everyone being away. Just kind of picking up, picking up from there and going with it. Did it feel lonely? At times, at times, definitely, especially on the weekends, because the few people that stayed home would go up to Antigonish or Acadia to go party. And there's no going up, you know, on a Saturday night, you play a gig in Dartmouth from 8 to 10. You're probably not going to drive two hours to Antigonish to go party just to drive home Sunday. Mm-hmm. Although I did do that. Uh, <laughs> I just learned it wasn't sustainable. Right. Kinda, you kind of go a bit crazy. Uh, I felt that way leaving my nine to five and entering full-time entrepreneurship. So, you know, leaving high school is a different experience, but very relatable in suddenly having all this I'll I'll say free time. I mean, you you you're working, but it, like you're saying, it's on your own schedule. You don't have somebody dictating that every day. You have to be in class by nine fifteen, and a bell physically rings to alert exactly. you to that. And so, last summer we spent a lot now, and the weather was way better. But we were mm. at the beach all the time. I really relished in that freedom, but I totally can relate to the feeling of like eventually that started not to be fun anymore. I almost missed having the structure and learned, okay, this is something I have to impose on myself. And that was a new skill that I had to learn even at this stage. So do you feel like you reached a point where something shifted in you and that kind of scheduling has since changed? I feel like only in the past two months that has happened. But when I first started... I was so excited to be out of high school and you don't have to listen to anyone except yourself. And I make my money playing guitar and singing on the weekends. And from the outside, it's like, this is perfect. This is everything that I ever wanted. But you do have those weeks or months where you're just incredibly unproductive. And at the, in September and October, that's fine. But when it's February and you're like, what am I doing? Like, I need to do something to progress myself. I can't keep doing the same shows every weekend. It's just the question of where does that lead? And then, I don't know, when we started recording, like, fully again. But that kind of got me back into it. And then putting out a song, and then doing a ticketed show. And now things feel like there's a path which I quite enjoy. Well, I, f- I kind of feel like f- for you, for a long period of time, you were you were relying just solely on playing your gigs as your, I guess, base off being a musician. 
like and that that is a very very important thing but starting to get into the studio starting to work on video stuff like there's i pro i'd say maybe 10 percent of my career as a musician is playing gigs the rest is all the behind, behind the, the scenes, scenes yeah. stuff right yeah. and once you realize okay i can i can earn passive forms of income by releasing this song and promoting it and the more people listen to it i can make money off it like mm -hmm. there's there's different ways to make money playing music rather than just gigs right and once those areas open up like that's a whole whole new ball game as well i understand that now i i don't think next to me is the is the song that is out but i don't think it's been listened to enough to make money yeah, uh, but it's but, uh, uh, but that but releasing a new song might bring some people to a show. Well, that's just you know who might uh, book you for a house concert, yeah, or yeah. maybe they'll throw twenty dollars in your guitar case. You know, yeah. that's there's there's all these spinoffs that come from everything you put out there. Yeah, and it's not always um, visible on what exactly those results are. It's it's kind of impossible to tell all the little things that come from it, but there are huge, huge things that happen when you start to put yourself out there in that way. It's been fun. The ticketed show being the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. Because you can't... Didn't feel right doing a ticketed show with only covers. Because yeah. I just play the covers at pizza places and various restaurants and HRM and then I'm charging people come see me do what you can see for free next Friday yeah as opposed to playing original music and a full set of that and having a song out at the end of the show you can go listen to this new song on Spotify Apple Music that was that felt great and I, I wish I could just only do that yeah but uh Sticking with the sticking with the gigs for now. Try to make ticketed shows more of a routine. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. But yeah, it's just it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Overnight, yeah. or just one show, everything changes. I guess that is possible for some people, but for most people, you you just have to keep keep at it. And mm. those people who came out to your first show where you you charge admission will probably come to the next one that you do and you can't do that every week in the same spot because there's only so many people who can come Definitely. to shows and but you can keep doing the gigs you're doing and writing more songs releasing more songs mm -hmm. it's the, the promotional side of things is so big like the, to, to reach out to that wider audience that everybody's trying to reach out to and you experience that too Kristen with your art like how do I reach more people how do uh, how do I get my song? How do I get my painting in front of new eyeballs and ears? Like that's that's the challenge I think for most people. But it is a necessary thing we have to do in in this career choice. So with that in mind, does your let's go back a year ago okay. because 
This is our second interview with you, Jackson, as you know. Which is crazy, (laughs) which is really weird because it doesn't feel to me like a year ago. And I think it's been a little bit more than that, really. Yeah, I think it has. I think it has as well. We decided we want to have you every year so long as our podcasts (laughs) keep going. So we're going to be following your career (laughs) with the magnifying glass. No, perfect. But uh, I think you're our first, aside from Steph McNamara, who, who... has been here twice. You're our first solo repeat guest, but awesome. Uh, Mike and I just really adore you, and you have a compelling story. And I, looking back on year one, I know something that we were really enamored with was just your perspective on what you were about to get yourself into, essentially. And there can be a certain level of of doing anything, not just in the arts, doing any job for a long period of time. It's likely that, you know, year one to 20 feels different than, you know, at the very beginning of something. You can say that for any experience. Do you feel now that you've had some of this time under your belt and experiences behind you that that same sense of wonder and magic and excitement is still there? I think so. I I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, Um, same. I've learned it wasn't at all what I thought it was going to be, but that wasn't necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. Looking back, it was just different. And when I, when I think about it, I don't really know what I expected it to be. I was just really excited to be able to do whatever I wanted to do all the time and then go play these gigs on the weekend and restart on Monday. I think going back to what we said earlier, Learning that you have to have a schedule or something to keep you locked in, just some kind of routine, that was, that was a difficult learning curve. But I think I have it now. A to-do list helps a lot. I've been keeping, like, wake up, look at the to-do list, usually write it before I go to bed the night prior, and then just go down the list. And even if the to-do list is make bed, go get coffee and breakfast, something to keep you going Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then do the shows Friday, Saturday. It feels more like a routine. It feels more like a proper job, which is what I hope I hoped it would be when I finished high school. What, what did you think would happen in the first year, and what were your goals? I hoped that I would release music this year. Yeah. And so that, that got done, and I'm pleased with that. Um, I didn't have any idea about ticketed show. And so that was a bonus. Yeah. I kind of expected to stay really busy and just do gigs every single weekend. And I did do gigs every weekend. Um, I just wanted to expand off what I'd built in like senior year of high school. I wanted to stay as busy as possible. I actually, looking back, I played more gigs. This is ironic because I wanted to be out of high school so bad to play more music, but I played more gigs in high school, summer of, yeah, summer of grade 12. I played more gigs than I have any month since. I don't know if that's just a timing thing or why that worked out to be the case, but right now I'm trying to book for September to December and stay as busy as possible learn from the mistakes of this year because you guys know as artists when the winter rolls around it can be brutal 
can be very brutal. Summer always feels busy anyways. Mm. And December, January, February. So in, in terms of live music, outdoor shows completely off the grid. That's not going to happen, obviously. But um, that, That's a period where a lot of people record more during, right? Mm. That's kind of a cycle that we've we've fallen into you're playing spring summer fall and the winter you're recording and taking taking local gigs i guess but if it's going to be crappy weather and you don't really want to be out driving that you might as well just be creating and working on new things and planning out the the next year or two ahead it's kind of how we've We've looked at things like you do a lot of creation, writing, recording, videos, like all that stuff can be done to prepare for the seasons ahead. Yeah. I think when this winter rolls around, Mm -hmm. that will be what I do. Yeah. But I didn't have that outlook just finishing high school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when winter did come around, I was like, what the hell is going wrong? Like how, why am I not busy? Why am I not recording? Just doing something creative. Cause you know, like playing a show at a restaurant, it's not too creative. You know, you're going to do country roads. You're going to do brown eyed girl, but you don't get to really show. You don't have to though. I know, but I don't know. (laughs) You can do whatever you want at those shows. I I know, but if I'm like if I do like the old triangle, for example, eight to eleven, yeah, like a bunch of drunk twenty year olds come in, yeah, they're gonna want to hear Brown Eyed Girl, <laughs> they're gonna want to hear Country Road, so I feel obligated to play them, which is really fun. It's very enjoyable. It's awesome when people sing along, even if it's not your own original music, but it can get a tad repetitive, especially to do the same set every weekend or a year. Uh, that's why the ticketed show is, wow, this is refreshing. Because I did do covers in the first set, take a quick break, and then it's just fully originals, and it's a yeah. space where people actually want to listen. That was a completely different experience than doing but, a restaurant. But there are venues where you can go and do that. Like... If you are playing the old triangle, yes, you do have to kind of cater to the crowd, but that type of venue is expecting that type of music. But now you have the opportunity to work your way into types of venues where people want to listen, where you don't have to cater to the audience. You create, you put out what you want to and they respond however they see fit. You know, yeah. it's... uh it's a intimidating thing if you kind of really, really look at it that way, but it's also invigorating because you get to be, you're in charge of that. You can, you can play, you can create your set list the exact way you want. Kind of how you did the second half off the, yeah. that show. Like this is, this is what I want to showcase for what I've created myself. And you guys tell me how you think, tell me what you think of these mm. songs. Today's episode is brought to you by the amazing Wilson's Coastal Club. 
This resort has eight cottages, ranging from bachelor to three-bedroom units, so you can take the whole family along, including your fur babies. Dogs are welcome. Mallory and Kyle, the owners, are two awesome people who have created the perfect getaway for you. And we've stayed there ourselves, and, you know, we felt like two little kids on vacation. This hidden gem is right on the ocean. They've got a private beach with loungers for all of their guests, e-bikes, and all of the water sports like stand-up paddle boards, kayaking, swimming, and the ambient sound of the waves. A lot of wildlife there, too. Loons. Ducks. Seals. Cranes. Deer. Bunnies. And more bunnies! Woo! (laughs) As if this place wasn't awesome enough, They're also offering fitness classes on the beach, wellness retreats, and meditation workshops. Wilson's Coastal Club is open all year round. And if you're worried about the Nova Scotia winter nipping at your nose, don't fret, they've got you covered. They're offering Canadian-made cedar wood-fired hot tubs and oceanfront 10-foot red cedar panoramic view barrel saunas coming this fall. Located at 7532 St. Margaret's Bay Road in Bootlears Point, Nova Scotia, you can book your stay at wilsonscoastalclub.com. And if you book before October 30th and use the discount code Mike and Kristen, you'll receive 15% off your stay. Woo! Private beach! Bonfires! Whoa, good times in the maritime! S'mores! Woo! Woo! I wanted to ask you about when you're first starting out and you don't really have much of a fan base. And so your main source of income is the gigs. Yeah. At restaurants and whatnot. Then you do the first ticketed show. Fall in love with it. Oh, I wish every show could be a ticketed show. Yeah. But you still need to make that money from gigs on the weekends, restaurants, shows. How long is the transition between I'm a restaurant musician or I I only do ticketed shows? Because I know it's it's it doesn't ever feel like one or the other. Like there's this like gray area in there until you are one or the other well i think it's probably different for everyone but you can you can be doing both at the same time like you can start trying to open for acts playing original music like anyone who's playing the carlton you can try to get on a show there Mm. and you might not make as much as you would playing for three hours at the old triangle or wherever but you're playing to a hundred people who are listening to your song and will go and add you to a playlist and then buy your album when it comes out and buy a t-shirt. So it's, uh, I think trying to get those opportunities opening is a really big thing right now. Mm. You don't have to be selling tickets for yourself every weekend, but you can be on shows with other people as often as you can and still doing all these other Shows where we make a couple hundred bucks a night mm-hmm. that uh, is paying paying your bills, but I think you you want to get in front of as many eyeballs as possible and getting on other people's shows, playing in front of their audience, winning their fans over, growing your fan base. It's all just yeah. There's no exact timeline or anything, but the i guess the harder you work at it and the more you put yourself out there the the quicker that transition can happen 
Exciting. Well, that's what I'm looking forward to this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think you raised a really relatable point, Jackson, about kind of maybe the perception of the experience you're going to have. And I, I don't recall the psychology term, but essentially it's if you book a trip to Disney, the anticipation of that trip can be equally as exciting in your brain as the experience itself. And oftentimes is better because you arrive in this world or reality that you imagined would feel and look and a result in way. a certain way. Yeah. And when it doesn't, instead of it, it still is a great experience. It's still awesome, but it's not what you imagined. Precisely. And even if it's, like you said, it's still great, but not to a T what I'd visualized, something doesn't feel good about it. Exactly. Um, and that, that can be unfortunate because you're like, you're right. It's still a good experience. It's just not the 11 out of 10 that you, that you maybe pictured in your mind, it which be. it never, it never is. That said, let's go back to the ticketed show because, okay. So ja we hosted Jackson at Togetherland at our art gallery Ooh. for his first ticketed show, but we had a very candid conversation before we even put this out to the public that it was happening that We've never done this before. We have no idea what to expect. You were very gracious and willing in coming on this experiment with us, essentially, in knowing that we don't know how many people are going to show up or like what this logistics are going to turn out like. In my opinion, it was better than what I imagined it might be. So I don't know how the two of you felt, but it was... And it's not that I thought it was going to be bad. It's that I, I didn't put any expectations on it whatsoever because I truly didn't know and felt like, well, first and foremost, you you sold out in two days, two and a half days, your tickets, which deserves a round of applause. So let's get some clapping out there Woo. for those listening. <laughs> but I don't know, like how is would, would you say like for me, that was an example, a rare example of something that I didn't have those expectations of. And if I did it exceeded them oh uh, yeah i wouldn't say that it was better than what i expected because i didn't expect i didn't know what to expect mm. i didn't go in with any um any idea of how it was gonna go it was my first ticketed show but it was also like you said the togetherland art gallery first ticketed event uh and that was scary booking the show because you've got no idea what you're really signing up for other than I hope people buy tickets and I hope they like the music. Mm -hmm. But going into it with a sense of unknown and not having anything planned to a T, it was really refreshing because then you do the show and everything good that happens feels like a bonus. Yeah. You know, people singing along, didn't know if that was going to happen. That went well. Mike getting up and doing some blue rodeo, like that was awesome. Didn't expect that, and it was just, yeah, I loved, I loved that. That was one of, I mean, this genuinely the greatest nights of my life. The song awesome. had come out, and then do the show, and then go home, have a couple beer, pass out, uh, <laughs> and, and you have a commemorative tattoo. I do, yeah. I uh, obviously it's a podcast, so I can't, people can't see, but. Uh, we put 45 tickets on sale and they sold out, which I really did not expect them to sell out. I remember having the conversation with you two and you guys were like, so we're thinking we're going to do 45 people. 
I was like, I don't know if I can sell 45 tickets. And you two were so nonchalant about it. It was just, oh, we're going to sell 45 tickets. And to me, that was crazy. Um, but they sold out and I wanted something to remember it by. So I got a little 45 in writing on my wrist. Love it. That's amazing. That's uh, Kristen had told me the story, but uh, it, it's nice. So nice that that moment was uh, so meaningful in, in to you and to us. And I think everyone in the room, like that's the amazing thing that music or art in general can do. Like everyone in that room that night had this special moment, you know, mm-hmm. like the whole room was singing your original song at one point, you mm. know, like that's, there's an energy floating around and like even people who maybe hadn't heard the song, like right away, pick up on it and they hear the words of the room floating around. It just creates this moment that is everlasting. And now you have the actual ink on your, uh, your wrist, mm. uh, memorial, memorialize. What's the word? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that works. I maybe made that up, but uh, the <laughs> moment and uh, is it, the lesson here to not have expectations. Is that possible? Like, can you go into writing a new album and have carry that same feeling of this is a brand new experience? And you know, let's say we were to have you back for another ticketed show at the gallery, like. I don't know that it would be possible for us to recreate this. some kind yeah. of expectation. Because we're like, well, yeah. this was such a hit the first time. And like, you almost expect that it yeah. will be that again. Like, yeah. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Is, and maybe it's for other projects. Like, it's a hard thing to, to recreate magic. Yeah. I. It's like when people say, don't think of a purple elephant. Yeah. And then all you think about is a purple elephant. I don't know if. After doing the first one, I don't know if I could, if it's possible to do a second one and not have some kind of sense of, oh, it's going to be like this, or it's going to go like this, or this many people are going to be here. But I would try my best to go in kind of blind to it and maybe do something different. Does the experience of having your first ticketed show, does that make you want to pursue that first and foremost for career opportunities like maybe it's looking at the carlton like mike mentioned or other venues mm. like not that recreation but is your mind kind of turning the wheels in in that vein now i would say unfortunately yes yeah <laughs> because i did the ticketed show and it was wow 45 people bought my tickets and they actually wanted to be here and listen and that was on a thursday and then on friday i played and we had the floods and there were two people out at a restaurant. And the feeling was like, how, did, how is this the contrast? Like, I just did this less than 24 hours ago. And now there's two people, and they're not even paying attention. And that would not have mattered to me at all mm. six months ago. Interesting. But after the ticketed show, because of how much I enjoyed that, I just, you want every single thing you do to be like that and it won't be but that's kind of where the bar is now so if i could only do ticketed shows for the rest of time yes Mm -hmm. i would only only do ticketed shows 
Well, I've played uh, 30,000 people one night and 22 the decks. Not 22,000, 22. <laughs> <laughs> you beat me so, there. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, yeah, certainly highs and lows. And it, it is, if you do latch on to the, the highs, you are going to experience some, some lows because mm. it is going to be up and down. And it's obviously you want to enjoy those good moments. Yeah. But I think you can't live there and expect that all the time. You can obviously try for it and work incredibly mm. hard to always have good, good shows, good recording, good everything that you put out. But just, I think anything in life, like you, you come across bumpy sections mm-hmm. and, it's uh it's inevitable that you will you will face that and i'm sure like if and like, social media is not a good thing for uh helping with this because people are curating the best parts of their lives and yeah bands go out on tour and they're showing the shows that are packed but everyone plays shows where there's no one at and yeah like it's even the biggest bands in the world have shows that's Maybe they're packed, but something might go wrong in it, or they just yeah. don't have a good vibe at it. Like nothing's perfect all the time for for everyone. Yeah, social media is not is not great for showing the the real side. I even victim of that as well. When the ticketed yeah. show was over, people have videos. All you post is the videos of the ticketed show and things going well. Yeah, and I, you know, you're posting those while you're playing to two people. Yeah. And it's not going well. Yeah. <laughs> so. But thank you for being honest about that, you know, here today. And it's something I really observed about your crowd interact- interaction at the Togetherland show was how honest you were. Like, and I don't know, Jackson, if this is a generational thing. So maybe it's something that is hard for you to talk about because it's just who you are and so natural. But I was really taken by your introduction to some of your songs and talking about maybe it was a breakup or a, you know, something that was quite personal to you and your, your family was there and your friends and it's what the music was about. And so I admired that you were willing to talk about it. I mean, you you are talking about it, you're just singing it. So, I mean, the, the, the message is out there, but you so candidly and comfortably were able to articulate that in just the spoken word. And I, I couldn't help but be curious after if that was, is that just kind of the norm with how you talk with one another amongst your friend group and your family? Are you typically that open? Or was it something about more the connection to the song that you were willing to kind of be that open book that night? I think I'm typically that open with my friends and family in general to the to more public to be talking about, okay, I went through this breakup or I went out on a night of drinking and wrote this song the morning after, that's a bit more difficult and uncomfortable to do to a room of people Mm -hmm. because the songs mean a lot to you and the stories mean a lot to you. But it doesn't ever feel like you have a choice. Like I want, I, you want to convey the song and you want people to enjoy the song. And I don't know, for me personally, when I hear a song and I know the context behind it, I'm way more invested before the song even starts. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a cool story behind this. Intre- like I'm, I'm really interested in it before we even get to the first chorus. 
Um, and so I feel like it's part of the job. Like I, if you have a room full of people who are there to be attentive and listen to you, you should give them what they're paying for, which is the music first and foremost, but also context to the music and stories and show some of your actual personality. Mm -hmm. It's really easy in entertainment to do like, oh, thank you very much, everyone. You guys sing this part or blah, 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 blah. But to actually be a bit vulnerable, I think is what makes people a bit more enamored with the music. It so was really, yeah. it was really beautiful. It was really intimate. I think it's what really gave that night the energy. I mean, I felt like we were really seeing this raw, creative version of you. And I completely agree. Hearing a single, a polished song that's on the radio that you've had all of this, you know, hours of behind the scenes time that people don't see is a totally different experience than being up there on your own, holding a guitar, telling these stories. You even, mm -hmm. while tuning your guitar, would say, I'm not great at talking while I'm tuning my guitar. Yeah, and yeah. I thought that was so awesome that you just out with it. Like, this is just who I am and mm. where I'm at. And I'm willing to, I, I don't feel the need to hide anything. Like, that to me is just such a genuine artist. And I don't even think you were thinking about it being like this you know, I'm going to go out there with this intention and be vulnerable, but you just were yourself and it was incredible. Well, it just, I feel weird about taking that compliment just because I don't feel like, oh yeah, I'm being super vulnerable right now. This is going great. But like, I am actually not good at tuning and talking. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I have a tuner built into the guitar. And so I, when I press it, I'm like looking down and focusing on tuning and I there's just no telling a story in, in the middle of that I actually do remember that I think I just backed away from the mic talk amongst yourselves folks uh, I think uh, I was up there at that time <laughs> <laughs> you're like Mike you say something <laughs> but it's such a great yeah, example of you. people yeah. feeling this pressure to be perfect or like this is how it's done this is the rule in this circumstance you do not allow dead air to happen mm. and you were just like there's probably going to be a little bit of dead air here because I got to yep. do this thing that in, that's going to allow me to play the next song. And I just thought that was so great. It was so honest. And yeah, like you say, it wasn't this like, I'm going to go out and be all vulnerable for the yeah, crowd. Well, because it just happened. That's, like, I feel like people can see right through that. Yeah. And of course you, I mean, I'm not going to play the ticketed show and speak to a crowd as if I speak to my friends of a decade over some beers, you know, you're going to reel it in a bit. Mm. Uh, but if you're too, like, I don't want to say like too professional, but yeah, like if you are a bit too over the top with, please, thank you. I hope you guys enjoy everyone sing this part. It just is a bit too generic. It's robotic. It's ro yeah. Like you're not letting any, of your personality show. And I think people do that because maybe they're scared that if people get to know my actual personality, then they won't like it, which is true. Some people just might not be, eh, not my cup of tea, but the people that do like your personality, they love it, you know? So you have to take that risk occasionally. It's, people find it challenging to 
be in front of a room and just be calm and be funny and be all the things that they they want they want to be liked you know like it's hard for someone to go up there and do all those things so i think a lot of people who do do it are just i don't know a little little afraid of the the bright lights and mm. don't really know how to react in those circumstances because yeah it is a challenge and it takes time to understand how you interact with with people and the right the right uh i guess the, the happy medium between being being your true self and being able to communicate with a diverse audience of 18 year olds to 80 year olds because to hit that sweet spot is kind of it takes a little bit of time for sure and then you're already doing it and you're you're 19 so we had a crab apple cookery cater the event or they they came up with food to sell they were amazing and they asked before the show what the target audience was like what's the demographic <laughs> yeah that's not too and, easy to... <laughs> you know mike it might sound like you're exaggerating to say from 18 to 80 that was actually that the crowd the that was there that night yeah. yeah so a little bit of actually everything <laughs> every age every geography yeah. every background every music genre preference <laughs> we filled that place with it all and you it held the attention eclectic. the whole it was very time eclectic. Yeah, And that is actually something I haven't really thought about before, but I've never played to a room full of 18-year-olds. There's always older people there. Um, what did your friends have to say about, like, would, would that have been the first time that they would have seen you in that type of environment? The first time that they would have seen me in that type of environment, for sure. They've been to sh restaurant shows before where people are talking, people are drinking. They're talking, they're drinking, yeah. <laughs> uh, mostly just them. Uh, but in an actual listening environment, I can't remember which one of my buddies said this, but you know, the event ended and I was packing up some of my gear and they were like, I said like, oh, what'd you think? And they said, that felt like a show. And that was my favorite kind of compliment mm -hmm. of, of the evening. Because that's what I had hoped. I didn't want it to just feel like you could have come to any restaurant in HRM and seen this. I wanted it to be, this is a special night. That's why there's tickets. That's why you have to buy a ticket to get in. And I wanted it to be just that, a show, a proper show, as opposed to just any other gig. Yeah. And you get to shape that however you want too, right? Like you had the little... We had a projector beforehand play the mm, little mm. video off your your life up until that point, essentially, your musical career and and all the highlights in between. Yeah, there's there's food. You 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 can craft your set in a certain way to create a narrative in the and a story arc and how the songs flow. Like that's the exciting thing about shows like that like you you are the mastermind behind it all mm. you are the wizard crafting the the night to come out the the way you want it to be and and when it's just when it's a success like that night was like again that energy we talked about earlier in the room happens and it's just a, a magical night i listened to a podcast recently where they were saying that typically your first year or two in business aren't that fun because you're getting used to what works and until that 
foundation is built, you don't really get to tailor it to be this fun thing. And that felt so relatable to me to only be a couple of months into business. And, you know, Jackson, you're in your first year and you're you're kind of still figuring out what you like and what people respond to. Mm. And once you get a little bit of that rhythm going, then I think you can really personalize it and create that show feeling. Um, so I don't know if that's been your experience too, or if that's kind of developing over time or you're aware of it. It's just now, it's just now feeling like that. Yeah. Because I don't know. You really can't prepare for a restaurant show. You've got no idea who's going to be there. You've got no idea how long they're going to stay. If they're even going to be interested in any live music whatsoever, regardless of who you are. Um, but with the ticketed show, like you were saying, Mike, being able to sit down two, three weeks before the event and look at your set list and have kind of the ups and downs of the show and feel like, okay, in the in the least cliche way possible, like you're taking people on a journey, mm. that was fun. Even Even, I haven't gotten much experience of doing ticketed shows obviously that's been the only one so far but even putting together oh maybe we should do this as like kind of an encore and mike would you come up and do you know a blue rodeo song with me that you know people love that was some of the most enjoyable moments for me for in, in terms of planning um it was just that like you said you get to be the mastermind be, behind everything what have been some other milestones or highlights in the last year since we sat down with you for podcast number one? Hmm. Well, starting to record again and then doing a mix on Next to Me and being really content with it and then getting it mastered and realizing, okay, we're completely finished with this song. That was a big milestone because you have the song that you write in your bedroom and then you take it to the studio and a couple months later, it's completely finished. And then the follow-up to that is uploading it for distribution, which you have to do like, what is it, five weeks before it comes yeah. out? That's what they recommend. Yeah, five to six. Pressing the button on distribute so that it goes to Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, all these places, was a milestone. Because it felt like once you press it, no going back. Mm -hmm. It's coming out at a certain date, and the ball is rolling. And also, the first proper interview I'd done was that podcast. And then I didn't do any until the past like two weeks yeah, and speaking to CBC on the phone, speaking to Tom Bedell from Q104, and now doing this, all that feels like milestones. I I am growing to really enjoy interviews because I'm understanding that people will listen to it, and maybe they've never heard a song before, they've never heard you live before, maybe they just enjoy the interview, they enjoy your personality. And they'll give your music a shot as opposed to if they had just heard it on the radio. They might think, oh, there's, there's another song without any context to who you are. So I'm really enjoying promoting right now. How did the first interview feel? Were you nervous going in, the first radio one? Very nervous. Yeah? 
because it was it was only two minutes. Yeah. Two, five minutes on the phone. Um but you're really just thrown off the deep end. Yeah. Um you get a phone call. Morning Jackson, how are you? I'm doing well, how are you? Doing well. Listen, we're gonna pat you over here in about uh, thirty seconds and then you'll be live. <laughs> and yeah. you just have to sit there. Okay, buddy. <laughs> Sounds good. That's when your heart rate starts yeah, that's to go up. It's like, oh Jesus. <laughs> and then like they just like they leave you. And like no one like talks you through like, oh, it's gonna be great, man. It's gonna be fine. Like, cause to them it's so standard. Yeah. And they just leave you. And I'm like in my garage. It's like seven in the morning. So early. <laughs> so early. I'm groggy. A little bit hungover, if I'm being honest. And I'm I'm just waiting. And then there's like, you know, like background music when they have you on hold, kind of. Yeah. And you're just, <sighs> just waiting. And then they click you over. Good morning, Jackson. How are you? And then it just starts. And you yeah. just have to be about it. Um, so that was very nerve wracking. But then doing that made going to Q104 and doing something in person yeah. that much easier. And then doing that makes things like this pretty easy. Um, and it all feels good. How did the, so obviously this is a long form interview and you can get your thoughts across mm. and say, say what you want ultimately in a two minute interview. How did that feel where it's so condensed and very specific? What I like about the podcast is just that it is long form and it feels more like we're conversing. It doesn't yeah. feel like an interview. I know it is kind of an interview and I'm a guest on the podcast. Yeah. But we're just three people having a conversation and it just so happens there's microphones recording the conversation. But with a two minute interview, it felt much more like they ask you a question, you answer. They ask you a question, yeah. you answer. Ask you a question, you answer. And you, you're you not going to sit there and be like, so tell me about your day. What kind of music are you into? Like, you don't mm -hmm. get that opportunity. You're just, it's very quick. It's very brief. Um, just give your answers and move on. I yeah. suppose that's what it felt like to me. And do you feel like it went well? I feel like it went well. Um, yeah. I mean, I've listened to it since it's like, I found it online. Yeah. Um, and you know, all the little things, like you hear your voice back. You're like, why do I sound like that? But when yeah. you get over that, it's kind of, you know, I, in within two minutes, it's like there's not a lot of room for error. Uh, you can screw yeah. up pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have any horror stories of like really bad interviews or? Uh, nothing really bad where like I was regretting what I said, but it's always just like, oh, I could have said that better. Mm. Or, mm. Like, uh, <laughs> I think I've I've done enough where I'm I have a general idea what they're going to ask and where it's going to go. Mm -hmm. And typically for every like release or album cycle, you know where where the questions are going to go. Like they're going to if I release the new album next summer, like I'm going to know that they're going to ask about that album and I have to know how to convey what that album is about and mm -hmm. what this song represents and this being our seventh album, why that's important. Like you yeah. kind of can gauge where the conversation's going to go and you have, you have to kind of be your own hype machine, really. Like mm -hmm. you, you can get across what you want to say if you are prepared, I guess. 
So at the start, I didn't really know this, but most of the time at the very start, it's pretty, pretty basic questions as well. Like, mm. So this is your first song. How does it feel to release a song out to the world? You know, like pretty straightforward. Yeah. Like you can, it feels great. feels really good and just be yeah, and pretty easy with the answers. You guys are really cool about this, but even in the spirit of preparation, like I have given full speeches in my head that would elect me prime minister. <laughs> yeah. But you find yourself in the real situation, even introducing you at the gallery in my head. I was like, amazing. People are like, I'm hiring her to give. I to thought you MC did a fantastic my next job. Event. You did Thank a fantastic you. job. <laughs> but it was way, I was way cooler in my own head. And then mm. you get up there and you're like, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I'm reading off this piece of paper yeah. and your heart rates up. And yeah, like, definitely. you think you're going to like, I, I even told myself, like, why would I be nervous? It's my gallery. Like, if anything, I should be the one up there with the uh, swagger, yeah, and, exactly. you know, the ego. Exactly. And but you find yourself, it's when the silence comes over the room. Mm -hmm. There's kind of this chatter and you're like, I'm good. But when you can hear the pin drop, that to me is when I can hear my heartbeat in my own head. Well, do you know why public speaking makes people anxious? I can tell you why it makes me anxious. <laughs> but no, but from, uh, I guess, a human uh, reason, like our, our, our ancestry in that, it's because thousands of years ago, any time a group of people was looked around at you. looking at you, was usually mm. you were on trial for something. You right. did something mm. wrong. That checks out. It feels like that. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does feel like that because even if it's, I knew everyone in the room. Yeah. Um. And I've played. I have played live to everyone who was there. Yeah. That night. But the nerves, you know, especially in the beginning. Yeah. Because it's not a pizza joint. Yeah. And when you finish a song, people aren't chewing food. They're just locked in yeah. and listening. And like you said, when that silence comes over a room, you can't just be silent yourself. Like you're supposed to be the entertainer. Yeah. So you need to talk about something. And sometimes a song doesn't, there's not much to say about a song, but you have to pull something out. Um, and you just hope that, doesn't sound too stupid. Yeah, you Yeah. That's why, like, I always, I have, like, the utmost respect for stand-up comedians. Because at least with a guitar and voice and a harmonica, you are, that's your art, you know, and if you're not good at public speaking, you're good at playing the guitar or good at singing or something. But, Jesus, if you, like, you're a stand-up comedian, if you tell a joke and you, and no one laughs, you are objectively not doing a good job. Right. Mortifying. Right? Yes. I, mean, I have anxiety just thinking about that's that like, moment. That's not good. Uh, but there's also something to be said for, we talked about this this weekend. Mike and I were in Cape Breton. He had a couple shows and his drummer, Bruce, was sharing this kind of learning he's been doing about the art of silence, essentially, mm -hmm. and how, be it in front of a room of people or just sitting around the three of us having a conversation on a podcast, there's kind of this instinct that you have to fill the gaps like it's not okay to just pause and take a moment of silence but that's actually probably what we all could or should be doing more of is just it's all right to pause and take a minute to gather your thoughts and articulate yourself so that your delivery does sound like the prime minister's speech and not mm -hmm. this nervous mm -hmm. wreck. I'm in front of a bunch of people say this as fast as humanly possible and go take my seat. I think it's that feeling of someone asks you a question 
and now the ball is in your court and I need to, I need to get this away from me. Um, if you're not comfortable with public speaking, so no one, it's not a natural response to take a deep breath and actually think about the question Mm -hmm. and think this is how, this is what I want to convey. And these are the words I'm going to use to do it. Uh, you just really, yeah, if you're not comfortable with public speaking, you just don't want to be doing it. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Seinfeld makes the joke about people, public speaking being the number one fear means that whoever's giving the eulogy at the funeral would rather be in the casket <laughs> than giving the eulogy, yeah, yeah, which yeah. speaks to just how horrifying that experience is for people. Yeah. And you guys are not speaking, you're singing. And I imagine, like for me, when I get nervous, I feel it in my body. And I don't understand how you can sing so buttery and eloquently when like my throat starts to close up and you know my body tightens a little bit and like that must be physically a challenge as well to try to just manage that moment so that your voice sounds like you want it to well i guess i don't let it get to that point (laughs) you're not having a total meltdown (laughs) yeah like i think there's um there's always there's some nerves there but it's uh manageable yeah and once you you just realize i've done this a million times and can do it in my sleep basically you just you just settle down into your skill set really like okay i can but it, it certainly can make your voice waver a little if it's gets to a certain point but. i i do agree with that fully like uh when I'm very nervous before, I I will not sing songs that are have difficult notes to hit. Okay. Um, even if my voice is feeling great, it's just the nerve of it. I sing something that is pretty within my wheelhouse. So at least for the first two songs, the first three songs, I can settle in and then do it. And actually, Smart. I remember talking to Mike and saying, "What what do I play first? Uh, and he said, "What are your options?" So I'm trying to choose between three songs, and he said, pick the easiest one to play and just, and just settle in. Is there, okay, is there a difference in your confidence, both of you, in singing a cover versus an original? Uh, I just, you can be, comf- you can be comfortable with either or, or more comfortable or less comfortable. Like, I have originals, so I'm like, I don't play that often. I'm like, I don't remember all the words unless I think about it for a minute. And there's ones that I could be dead sleep. Someone slaps me, wake up. I could play it like (laughs) instantly without thinking about it. You know, like there's just some that are ingrained in me, both covers and originals, I guess. And some that, I don't know, just kind of are teetering on the, the memory line where you don't, don't have it in there for good. But some, some are in, in my mind forever. Locked in. Yeah. I don't know. I I get probably more nervous playing original music because you're being vulnerable. You're already being vulnerable when you sing in front of a crowd, but now it's it's not just singing. It's here's a message, have a listen. And especially at Togetherland, it was like, you know, half those songs you know, have 
connections to most of the kids who were there. Yeah. You know, um, and all the kids who were there, if they were listening closely, you know, can probably piece together who the songs are about. And, oh, uh, I, now I understand. Like, and that's, that was a tad frightening. Yeah. How does that feel? Like putting your personal life into songs and then relating it or relaying it to other people. Difficult. Yeah. Difficult. Um, because no one wants to be, no one ever is going to tell you exactly how they're feeling, but that's what a song is for. And then your job is to play music. So you're going to play the song in front of people that you're going to see probably every weekend for the next decade. (laughs) Um, and so be careful about what you put into a song. So I'm just trying to say, That's I guess. the moral of this story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to talk to you about something. This is not a question, but more of a reflection, I suppose, that I have had since the last visit that you and I had, Jackson, at the gallery. Mm-hmm. You were able to pop down for a little while last week, and we were talking a little bit about kind of my younger years, I guess, maybe when I was at your age and... I shared with you that there was kind of this wildness to me or more adventurous side. And you made the comment about that still being in me or part of me. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's expressed in different ways. And it might sound like kind of a weird thing to, to even raise in this context, but I, I, I feel like I need to share with you how much that meant to me. And it's maybe a small, seemingly small comment in your eyes, but I think that when you reach this phase in your life, like you're not really asked that very often. Like rarely are you asked about who were you years ago. Mm-hmm. It's often about where you're going. It's about your future or you know who you are now. Yeah. And sure, there's something to be said about living in the moment, but it just really resonated so deeply with me then and has since to be thinking about, I I guess how you can lose parts of yourself and forget about those parts of yourself and how much it really shaped me and who I am today and will be in my future. But I just wanted to thank you for kind of like bothering to ask that question. But I think because it came from you who is at a point in their life where you know, you're coming into your own identity and sorting this out that it was really cool to kind of be face to face with you at that phase of your life and think about who I was at that phase in my life. And it's only someone, it's only you that could have done that for me, I think. Like even had Mike asked me, we kind of would have joked about like, yeah, when I was whatever. And, but they were days past, there was something just so powerful. So Again, this isn't a question, but rather just I want to just thank you for that, but also point out like you've you've always been somebody who's observant of others. And Mike and I, part of the reason that we've we've almost selfishly wanted you in our life is because of what we've been able to be reminded of and gained from your presence. So you just have so much to give. And yeah, I'll stop gushing, but that's very sweet. That's very Mm. sweet. I always, I, not uncomfortable, but I always feel strange uh, when you'll say something along those lines. 
because I feel like I'm gaining. I feel like I have nothing to give to you two because everything you've already, you guys have already accomplished so much. Uh, and I feel like I have everything to gain. Uh, like everything I can, everything I've learned in the past, I don't know, four, five months about music and business uh, is from, is from you two, you know? So I don't, I feel a tad selfish speaking to you guys because it's just this wealth of information. And I know like there's been probably many times I've been here and I just, I just fire off questions to Mike about like <laughs> the most intricate little things like Melodon, for example, or like yeah. bending a note or like, well, could we, could we make this vocal run sound a bit smoother with this? And he's like, well, yeah, buddy, it's a, you just do this. And, that. and like, I don't know. I've, it's very sweet of you to say, but I, and the feeling is very much reciprocated. I just don't understand. I don't understand it. Um, I see it happen with Mike too. I don't know if Mike, you've consciously thought about this, but with Jackson coming and asking you all of these questions, <laughs> it reminds you of how much you know and all the experiences yeah. you've had. Like you're able to answer those questions because you've been there and you, you just kind of forget this or forget to give yourself credit for it even. Like, that's the gift. Yeah, and we'll just... Working with you, Jackson, on, on this release and, like, getting some press for it and all that, mm -hmm. like, that also reminded me of, like, oh, yeah, I do have have these connections and I can I can help people out in, in that way and it almost can be a service I offer. So it's, yeah. like... Like Kristen's saying, I guess sometimes you don't really know what you know or how much you know until someone helps point it out or some bring it out in you. I remember at the podcast party, you and uh, your buddy Mouse uh -oh. Uh -oh. were here. Yeah. And hey, Mouse. <laughs> hey, Mouse. I'm, sh I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll listen to this. You guys were having a, a couple Guinness and... Yeah. Uh, and then a couple other drinks and a couple whiskeys. Uh, yeah. But anyway. Um, Lost count. Uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, I remember we were, just the three of us were in the sun porch. And uh, you're like, what's the craziest story yeah. you have? I do, I'm I like, remember oh, like, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, and I thought back and I'm like, well, actually. And I told you this funny, but pretty yeah. long story about this party that my old band had at their our old band house yep. the, the the last party we had at our house the sofa yeah yeah we uh, <clears throat> what was the story you have to share the story well, there's a lot to, some to extent it now. but we uh it, we lived in this house and we it was kind of the epicenter of debauchery for like multiple <laughs> years and uh we had this final party and we wanted to have one last kind of gargantuan act that represented everything that we were and uh, we ended up burning a couch on a military baseball field. So, what strikes me as funny is when you and I first started dating, it was only a short time after this debauchery had happened. Uh, and I laugh thinking, like, that's what hooked me. Like, yeah. oh, I like this guy. But I, I wrote about that. That's in, well, the, the book I'm working on. So, yeah. that's, uh, I have the song for that chapter down too. So, Close to sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> but, I remember. Oh, that 
<laughs> I remember hearing that. I gave a much more detail. And Jackson, we won't get version. into the incriminating. Would you like to share that. a story, Jackson? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, you're making your stories now, Jack. Yeah. You're, yeah. Just don't, don't do anything too crazy. That's all. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, just because I know. I'll, this will get posted, and then I'll repost and be like, have a listen to this in-depth conversation with Mike and Chris, and then, <laughs> you know, I don't want, you know, grandma hearing. Yep, that's fair. Something. We've uh, all held back things on the podcast yeah, yeah, for, for, sure. yeah, for that geez. exact reason. Don't worry, buddy. But yeah. I, I distinctly remember uh, that conversation, because I was yeah. getting, like, I was getting pretty loose, and I had never had drinks around you, and like, <laughs> yeah. this wasn't like a come down and like... Let's really iron the song out. It was like so many different, cool, interesting people here for the party. Yeah. Have some drinks. Let's get talking. And yeah, yeah Mouse and I were on the porch. You also and revealed you, that you maybe Nikki Nikki nine doored us. Do you remember yeah. sharing yeah. that? I, we call that ding dong ditching. I do I do yeah. remember right. I do remember uh sharing that when I was like <laughs> Later in the night, I really have to think because I've done like the entire subdivision, so like I need to like I need to really think about who's gonna listen to this one. But uh, when I was like way way younger, our thing was like go around. Like so this was last year. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. Probably ten, eleven. We used to go around and just hit the door and run and just wait. And we were obsessed with that. Like, it was the most fun thing when people would open the doors. And I remember, like, because Mouse lives so close, like, we would just hit every house we could. And I remember, (laughs) like, I don't know if this is one of those things, like a placebo effect or something you make up in your memory. Um, But, like, the driveway has always looked familiar to me. Yeah, I'm like have we ding-dong ditched this house before? <laughs> like, not knowing, like, yeah. one day I'm going to be sitting for a podcast talking about it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, I remember that. That was, that, that was when we were in the living room. Yes. Yeah. It's all come full circle now, buddy. It has. I remember, uh, sitting there and Garrett, uh, yeah. was. Garrett he, Taylor, yes. former podcast guest with Elise Aaron. They were doing Eagle songs. Yeah. And I don't know if it was my idea, but I remember it being Garrett's idea. And he was like, every time we finish an Eagle song, we take a shot of whiskey. <laughs> and then like, under the impression, like we would do like an Eagle song, then a bunch of other songs. And then we'll throw in an Eagle song. But it was just Eagle song, Eagle song. Like, <laughs> we're like doing their entire back catalog. And then like, we're done the bottle of whiskey. And sounds I can, like a Garrett idea. I can remember like, someone like, oh, we're out of whiskey. And you came in with, well, we got Stillwater Lake whiskey. <laughs> yeah, I had a full bottle. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the walk home, thank God it wasn't a, a long walk, but um, yeah. We talked Felt to your long. parents at the Togetherland yeah. show about that night, uh, apologetically, saying, <laughs> like, so I, I was almost nervous to run into your parents at some point after that, thinking that they would just be like, what did you do to my, like, I, my son went to your house, and then you no, sent him no, home, no. like, <laughs> half in the bag, and, like, Mike yeah. and I had already gone to bed, and <laughs> you guys were playing your Eagles <laughs> shooting game, but, yeah, 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 it was a good night. Yeah, no, they don't. They're fantastic parents, the both of them. But uh, your whole family, Emmy, we love them all. Yeah, they're awesome people. We also we were thinking we we need to get our 
Katie George to a vet, and we need a yeah. That's why I'm on the mom. podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is awkward. Yeah. You were yeah. supposed yeah. to say that, but <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll work that out. After, yeah, yeah, after no, hours. definitely, definitely. Um, Before we wrap up, I have another question for you. People often describe you as having an old soul. Hmm. How does that land for you? Do you believe that to be true? I love that compliment because I love music from 1965 to 1985. And I suppose that's, I think they hear me playing the Beatles and the Eagles and Elton John and Bruce Springsteen and Rod Stewart. And they make that kind of music synonymous with the old times. I think, well, if he's playing that, he must have an old soul. Um, so I really appreciate it. Um, but I've never, I don't know if anyone my age has ever said, oh, you have an old soul. It's always, which maybe they can't say because they haven't experienced enough, but it's always uh, people older than me saying, oh, you got an old soul. I don't know if that has to do with my parents or being born in the South or I, I really have no idea. Um, but I would say that nice. without hearing you do those songs. So you just have Same. a inquisitive mind and you're thoughtful and just the way you approach, approach life is not like a lot of the people your age that I've met anyway. It's not like a lot of people our age that I've yeah. met. Really. I feel like, wow, this podcast has been good to me for, uh, for compliments. <laughs> Thanks guys. Uh, yeah, you're welcome, but it's also just, <laughs> I don't know, it's something that uh, we've we've talked about, you know, behind your back, too, <laughs> that uh, it's just, you're just a unique guy. So, uh, yeah, thanks for being part of our, our life and our world and, and giving so much to us. I know you may not see it that way, but it's something that's really stayed with us. And, yeah, you've been in our life for more than a year now, Jackson, and mm. certainly hope it stays that way. Me too. I, I can't thank the two of you enough for letting me in um without any real thought i mean i just met mike rusted crust he sat with me and my dad talked for probably 30 minutes got in touch over instagram come by do some recording okay and it feels often i look back at that like it was you know six months ago but that was a well over a year ago. Yeah. Um, and look at us now. Look at us now. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we're going to follow up in a year from now. And what yeah. uh, what do you want to happen over the next year, buddy? Um, I would love to have the EP out, which I think that will definitely happen uh, pretty soon, hopefully. Um, and. I'd love to, I've always saw the Carlton as like this amazing venue. And like, that's like, if you play there, like if you can headline that, that's like incredible. Um, I think that comes, they used to do like, they maybe they still do it, an open stage at the Carlton. And so it's kind of like open mic, but it's, you know, really well done. Um, and... That's been on the bucket list to do an actual show there um, for a long time, ticketed show. I don't know if that's possible given a year, uh, but 
that would be, to me, that would be very massive. That would be, that's the goal. That's the goal. Very achievable. You can do that and a lot more. We believe in you, Jackson. Wow. Wow. Come from Mike. That's, uh, <laughs> do you, uh, that's awesome. Do you want to play a tune? How you feeling? I, I will reserve playing a tune for right now. But maybe, well, I guess this is all pre-recorded. Uh, but maybe, like, I bust one out, and then we edit it in there. Like, later. At some point. Yeah. At some point. Well, uh, well this is going to air tomorrow. <laughs> okay, so, well, maybe. Uh, Why don't we can play his single for the yeah. introduction. Yeah. I, I just wanted to see if you want to do a live one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to pass, only because I'm unprepared. Uh Put him on the uh, spot. Yeah, yeah, I didn't expect that. Uh, uh, but why don't we play next to me yeah, for we'll play our introduction? We'll play next to me. Yeah. We'll yeah. play So that will be the song that you, but why don't you just, let's wrap up with talking about that song and that yeah. will lead us right into it. We recorded this, I guess like two, three months ago. Um, you came with this pretty little... Uh, Diddy. Little ditty, little yep. love song, I guess, yep. uh, and added some some nice vocals to it, a little piano, some electric guitar, mm-hmm. some finger snaps. Uh, yep. It's 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 just a really pretty tune. I played it for a bunch of people, and they've they've all liked it. Awesome. What uh, what do you have to say about next to me? Um, it's only two minutes, two and a half minutes. So yeah. if you have two and a half minutes and you're interested, give it a listen. You might like it, you might not, uh, but there'll be more music either way. So mm-hmm. maybe you'll find uh, something in an EP that you that you enjoy. Beauty. Here it is, next to me, folks, Jackson Weldon. Hey, young thing with the red dress on. Give me your ears, let me sing you a song I've got something that needs off my chest These are the words, nothing more, nothing less I like it when you're next to me I like it when you're next to me I like it when you're next to me Next to me Sure, I've made a few mistakes sometimes I'm full of myself and I'm filled up with pride That doesn't mean I can't make that change Be the man that you want at the end of the day I like it when you're next to me Oh, I like it when you're next to me Yeah, I like it when you're next to me Next to me Me. 
Just on. I think I'm in love, so I wrote you a song. 